Hey everyone, my name is Matthew Huff, and this is the introduction to Further Up and Further In, a podcast. And my vision for this podcast, put simply, is just to take C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, uh, seven of the greatest stories ever written, in my opinion, some of the most influential stories of the last 60 or 70 years, uh, to children and to adults alike, and to take a chapter-by-chapter excursion through the depths and the wonders and the absolute beauty that lies in those stories. I I believe C.S. Lewis saw the world and ultimately saw the kingdom of heaven and the glory of the gospel in a way that uh, very few others have before or since. He had uh, this all-encompassing total vision of the kingdom of God with Christ at its center and poetry in its veins that make those stories so magical, so inviting, so memorable. He had a knack for images uh, with Lucy stumbling into Narnia for the first time, shivering in the snow and seeing Tumnus with his parcels by the lamppost, the vision of Aslan roaring uh, upon the breaking of the stone table, the characters of Reepicheep and Eustace Scrub and Puddleglum and King Tyrion and Jewel, the unicorn. It just, just So much of his world is filled to the brim with magic and what he would call a deeper magic from before the dawn of time that has just painted the world of Narnia as something that's uh, next to impossible to forget once you've been there. Uh, And uh, so many people who have read those stories, I imagine, would describe the experience as having been to Narnia. Uh, Doug Wilson, in one of his books, claims that he he might even be half Narnian himself. That's how much he identifies with those stories. So there's just something about Lewis's vision of all things, his vision of uh, what it means to be human, his belief in nobility and bravery and valor and loyalty and courage, these virtues and and truths that aren't really spoken of very much anymore. And he paints them in such a way as to obligate a belief in them. He is able to speak in such a way that resonates all the way to our very core. It's what makes children stay up into the night reading those stories underneath the cover by flashlight. It's it's this intoxicating, entrancing sort of world that he's able to paint that I believe is so effective, not just for the power power of his writing, but also with the compelling nature of what he's writing about, which is the gospel itself. Uh, By no means was Lewis trying to to write those stories merely as an apologetic or as some sort of simple allegory. Uh, The stories have depth and dimension uh, on their own, but those stories are interwoven with so much biblical truth and so much of a right portrait of who Jesus is that I believe they are some of the most helpful stories to uh, resurrect in our current context, uh, put the Chronicles back on the table, read them to your children, read them to yourselves, in order to see how we ought to travel down the roads that have been given to us. It's uh, like in the, uh, in the Hobbit, the Lord of the Rings stories that Lewis's friend Tolkien wrote, uh, that the ring came to Frodo, that the the particular road for Frodo to take came to him. And Gandalf, of course, in his wisdom tells him that all we have to decide is what to do with the time that has been given to us. And I believe Lewis paints that same portrait in Narnia, that each of us has a road 
that we are destined to take, that each of us has uh, a great deal of triumph ahead of us, a great deal of test as well. And I believe, uh, as Paul mentions in the New Testament, that those stories, the stories of the Old Testament, the stories throughout history, the stories of redemptive history, are there as examples for our instruction, that we, we need to learn from the stories that have been given to us. Jesus expected that of his disciples, that Jesus never taught them anything without a parable. And so when Jesus thought it best to share what is most true with his disciples, rather than have them pass a doctrine test, he began telling them stories. There once was a lost sheep. There once were two sons uh, that he invited them into the character of God by showing them that God is a storytelling God, that God is the author of our faith, that God is a creative God. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians that we are to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And so if we're going to be like God, it's helpful to know what kind of God we serve. And Lewis knew almost better than anyone that we serve a creative, imaginative God, full of color, full of passion, uh, the Psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of God. So you look around at the abundance of this feast that he's given us, and it's meant to be a thread that as we pull on it, we are led closer and closer to God, further up and further in to the ultimate kingdom. As uh, Jewel, the unicorn says in the last battle, that we go further up and further in into the ultimate Narnia. But all of that ex exploration, all of that discovery begins with the heart of a child moving through the wall of a wardrobe, that our invitation might be subtle, it might be small, it might be one that we are reluctant to take, as Lewis certainly was, the most reluctant convert uh, he fashioned himself. But it's a step of faith that once taken invites us into this beaming and brimming world of magic, deeper magic, real beauty, real glory, uh, Socrates once said, wisdom begins in wonder, that we must revisit and return to this heart of a child, this vision of the simple, this vision of the innocent, and this uh, wholehearted surrender to the story that God is telling. And it's only then that we discover who and what we really are, kings and queens. Uh, we are made in the Imago Dei, the image of God. And so my entire vision for starting this podcast was not to try to provide an exhaustive study of Narnia, of course, that such a task would be impossible, but rather to just share my personal experience reading the Chronicles of Narnia, what they have meant to me, what I see when I read them, and hopefully to provide some sort of edification to you, but also to exalt and glorify the name of Christ by uh, trying to taste and see that the Lord is good through these stories that Lewis told, where we catch glimpses of this wonder. Uh, and for me, a lot of my experience with Narnia was piecemeal. I remember being read the stories, parts of them growing up. Uh, I remember my sixth grade class with Mrs. Bailey. Uh, she would read the Narnia stories to us. I remember watching some of the old BBC productions uh, with the animatronic Aslan <laughs> and the human-sized Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. Uh, and just enjoying them then. Um, but it was later on when I, I started reading some of Lewis's other, other works in college that I really became, became quite fascinated with the way in which he wrote, the way in which he saw the world. Uh, and in 2010, I had the opportunity to do a study abroad uh, in London. It was a five-week 
course I took on Lewis and Tolkien. And that for me began uh, a return back to the Christian faith. Uh, I became a Christian when I was 17. But it was in 2010 when I went over to London and had this experience studying Lewis there that really started becoming reawakened to the real beauty and the real glory of the gospel itself, that Jesus really did love me that much. And Jesus really did die in my place. And Jesus really did rise from the grave. And Jesus really is seated at the right hand of the Father, reigning with all authority in heaven and on earth. And uh, that experience was uh, in many ways an eye-opener for me back to reconsidering, reevaluating what Lewis wrote. And then in the summer of 2015, uh, I decided once and for all, I was going to read all seven Narnia books. Um, I had read some of them as I grew up and I had had some of them read to me, but I had never really sat down to read all seven of them in one go. And so in the summer of 2015, I decided to read all seven books. And that experience uh, in many ways was a life-changing one where longings and desires I had always had, which Lewis, of course, knew firsthand, this idea of the inconsolable longing for that which is most satisfying and most uh, fulfilling, this this notion that if we find in ourselves desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that we were made for another world, that famous statement from mere Christianity, that those longings and those desires for that transcendent sense of beauty that I had always, in a sense, had, were met in this experience of actually reading them as an adult, reading the Narnia stories. And so I believe that those stories played such a huge role in my life, but also can play a vital role in anyone's life um, by reminding us of who we are by being made in the image of God. Uh, I mentioned I got saved at 17. I I think my my experience uh, being converted to Christ in many ways paralleled Lewis's. Lewis, when he was in Oxford, in Surprised by Joy, he wrote about this account where he was riding in a bus and he had this moral crisis where he knew that he could choose to hold on to what he knew before or he could choose to let go. And for him, it was a spiritual crisis and it began that journey of converting to theism and then ultimately to Christ. When I was 17, I was, um, I was talking with my mentor my English teacher, Dan Totten, uh, on a bus. And I remember telling him that I, I didn't know how to wrestle with the doubts and the fears I had that I might not be saved. I grew up in a Christian home, uh, a family who loves the Lord. But I, at 17, I had just these deep concerns that perhaps I, I had not really surrendered everything. And I remember he walked me through um, how I can know for sure, just a complete surrender of my life to Christ. And so that bus experience, talking with my teacher, Lewis had a, had several mentors in his life, uh, George MacDonald being one of the preeminent. Um, and so I credit that conversation with my English teacher in high school, uh, setting me on the right road that leads toward ultimate truth, ultimate beauty in Christ. Uh, but then also the experiences God has placed along the way from then until now to just help me rediscover and... Uh, reawaken to the enchantment of his great narrative. Uh, I credit the the influence of uh, Doug Wilson, the pastor of Christ Church. I, I credit the influence of my wife, 
who uh, herself has a passionate longing to serve the Lord. I credit my parents um, that so many of these mentors along the way uh, spoke to me and continue to speak to me in a similar way that Lewis does through his writing, uh, which is just a return to a, a reawakening of the eyes to the imaginative beauty and glory of who God is. Uh, this tasting of the sublime, transcendent, all-satisfying power of God. And so my hope here, like I said, is not to, to provide any kind of exhaustive examination of the stories, but merely to explore and study uh, each of the seven books, chapter by chapter. The plan is to have one episode per chapter and to see how long it takes to go through all seven books. Um, and just to exalt in and to dive further into these great stories, to see what they have to teach, uh, and to uh, go into it with this open-eyed vision of wonder and of beauty and glory, like Lucy did going into the wardrobe, and to discover this world beyond the world, um, which in many ways for us would be the kingdom of heaven, this world that is um, ultimate, glorious, grand, but that we must discover a taste for and discover the right vision of so that we might, as Paul says, set our affections on things above, not on things on this earth. And uh, as Aslan says in, a, in one of the later books, that, that we go there in Narnia and see him there so that we might know him better here in our world. And so that's my aim is that we dive into the world of Narnia uh, to see Aslan up close to see this vision of God's great glorious gospel so that we might know it better in our day-to-day -day lives. So we'll begin with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the first of the seven books, and we'll begin with chapter one in our next episode. Thanks for listening.